This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. So today on Your Next Step, we're going to talk about real promise Abraham, all right? Abe, as I like to call him. You know, in our lives, we struggle to find out what's real. We want to know what's something we can rely on, what is something that we can trust. I remember years ago in my home church, we did a series and we called it Real People of Real God. That's because we all want to know that God is real. And I think that is at the just really at the center and the heart of what every one of us wants. We we live with this hole in the middle of our heart, and, and we want to know that God is real and He will feel that. I'm Pastor Doyle from The Church Next Door, and this is Your Next Step. And today, we're going to take a little bit of time to look at Genesis and its connection to your world and my world through Abraham. See, when we open up the Bible and look at Genesis, we immediately are faced with a question, you know, where is God and, and what's going on? And, and God created this beautiful, beautiful world that you and I live in. And then he comes along in the midst of that beautiful world, and he begins to deal with human life, with you and I. And our world, as beautiful as it is, there's a lot of things imperfect about it. And that's why Abraham exists. Abraham is our testimony about a real God working with real people through a real promise. And what was that promise? God's promise is, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to, I'm going to fix the, the brokenness in your life. And that's true for you and I today. Take a step with me. Let's open up the Bible. Let's look at Genesis together in Abraham. Well, right now we're talking about real. We're talking about real people who live real lives. And today I want to open up for you. I want to unpack a, a real promise through Abe, Abram, Abraham, this is his name from the Bible. And, and he is such a powerful figure because he teaches you and I how to engage God and his promise. The scripture says that a seed was planted in humanity through Abraham, that you and I can grab a hold of, be engrafted into and be a part of. And that's what I want to help you unpack today. So if you would, open up your folders. If you have a Bible, if you'll open it up to Genesis. The, the Abram story starts in Genesis chapter 12, and it goes to 24. When you think about that, it's not much to cover someone who lived 175 years. Pretty amazing. And I'm not going to cover all his story, so I hope you'll go back and look at it. Read Genesis 12 to 24. It's a powerful powerful lesson to you about how God's promises are real. But Abraham's life is planted in the book of Genesis, and I believe that's really, really important for you and I, because the context tells us a lot. In your notes, I wrote this down because I believe this is true about Genesis. We first read Genesis. When we open the book of Genesis, we are immediately faced with a question. Are these words the product of human imagination or divine inspiration. Now, what's really going on when we ask that question is this, is this true? Is this real? 
It seems like it could be fiction. You know, I know some pretty creative writers, and, and they could have written this down. I'm just not sure if this is really from God. And let me just, let me just, let me help address that skepticism. I've had that skepticism before. I felt like that. But let me tell you, I've engaged in a little bit more, more. And in the ancient world, you didn't write fiction books. There are no fiction books in the ancient world. And, and this is why. <laughs> you, you had to kill a lamb every time you wanted to make a note. They didn't have post-it notes, people. Every time you had an idea and that was really important enough to write down, it was costly. And so in the ancient world, you don't have fiction books. They used to carve it into stone. They used to make clay tablets. This is how we know the ancient world. Whenever someone wrote something down in the ancient world, it's because they believed it. So when you and I open up Genesis and we read the story of Genesis, it's more than just human inspiration. It's human inspiration in the sense that, that man, humanity has passed it on down, but it's because God has engaged them. Now, this is another way you know it's true. When you read the story, when you read the story, it fits with your and my reality. This is what I'll say. Look at your notes. I want you to see this. This is what I said. What Genesis presents to us is a world of magnificent beauty and extreme variety. A world of magnificent beauty and extreme variety. Why do I say that? Because when you and I, when we go on a walk to the park, go out today, go out to Battelle Darby Park, see how high the creek has gotten to, and get a little wet, okay? When you're out there, what you're gonna do? You're gonna be amazed at the variety. You're gonna be amazed at the different animals you see. You'll see a squirrel, and then you'll see a white squirrel, and you'll go, where on earth did an albino squirrel come to in Ohio? They're out there, dude. They're out there. Why? Because God has created just a magnificent, beautiful world, and it's of great variety. You know that by experience, and that's what the Bible tells us. The second truth that the Bible tells us in Genesis that you and I agree with, and even the world agrees with, is this. The world has been ruined, ruined by those who live here. Folks, anyone from the green movement in your world and my world today agrees with me with that. They will tell you, the problem in this world is people. Did you watch the news this past week? How many of us would agree that the problem in this world is people? I do. Why? Because people are ruining it. People are the problem. Now here's the caveat, okay? The world would have you believe the world would have you believe that with just better stewardship, we can fix the world. If you and I will just work harder and smarter and work together, we can solve the problem of the world. The Bible says that's not true. Because the Bible says that although we have caused the brokenness in this world, the only one that has the capacity, the resource, the power to heal our broken world is the one who created it to get it back. And see, you and I, we can try really hard to be great stewards of the earth in which we live, but as long as a ruined, broken humanity lives here, it's going to cause trouble. So the solution is this. The solution is we need a source outside ourselves that has a power and a love to heal us. And God is that answer. God says, I can fix it if you'll come to me, if you'll allow me. 
if you will just accept that I, I exist and that I love you. And Abraham, Abraham is the beginning of that big relationship shift. Now here comes the problem. The fact that we mention that and we say that Abraham had the solution upsets us. It creates a tension inside us. I call it the scandalous truth, okay? And here's the scandal. If God is gonna be the one that fixes the problem, he has to start somewhere with someone. God has to start somewhere with someone and God chose to start with Abraham. And when you and I look at that, our natural reaction is say, that's not fair. I wanted it to be me. And suddenly we're taken back to third grade and kickball. And you were like, why did you pick them first? I wanted to be picked. And suddenly it's about that brokenness within us that we wanted to be the chosen one, that we wanted to be the first in line, that we wanted to be the key. We wanted to be the hero. I want to be Superman. You want to be Wonder Woman. That's the way that works. And that's the scandal. But can we be honest? If God had chosen you, how many thousand years would have transpired before the hope got to anybody? A Bible teacher friend of my dad once explained the tension this way. When we look at the Jewish people and, and Abraham as the beginning of that, we're like, it's not fair that they're the chosen people. Why did God choose them? And that's the scandal that we're struggling with. We're, we're upset about it. And this Bible teacher said, well, it's kind of like a father who comes home from work and he's brought candy for his children. Now, there's a couple of ways he could do this. And what we want is this. We say things, well, why did God just have to go to the Jewish people? Why couldn't he send, uh, why couldn't he go to one person among every tribe, every people, every group, and he, he'd do it that way? And a father could. A father could come home and he could hand each child individually one candy bar. But instead, the father came home and he handed a bag of candy to the first child that came to him when he came through the door. And he said, I've got some candy for you and your brothers and sisters, and I'd like for you to take it and share it with them. Tell them daddy loves them and give them some candy. Now, why would a father do that? A father would do that because he would want his children to understand the importance of receiving and giving and sharing and being a part of the story and the love. And the reason that God has chosen to do it this way is because you have received a gift from him and he wants you to be a part of the family. And in his family, we give away what he has given to us, to others. We share, we're kind, we're like our father. And I believe that's a great way of understanding it. So let's get into Abraham and what we can learn from him, a real person in the word of God that can impact our real lives. We can relate to him. I love this. It says in Genesis chapter 12, verse one, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. This week I was talking with my dad. I, 
uh, and I said, Dad, do you have any advice for me, any recommendation? We've been talking about the world and how broken it is, okay? And my dad just said, well, Doyle, all I can tell you is this. When I read the Bible and I pray and I look at this, I'm just convinced we're in the last days. And I said, well, what's your advice? He said, well, your advi- my advice to you is this. Learn to listen to God. Learn to recognize God's voice and follow his voice. His voice, his re- your relationship with him is the only thing that's gonna carry you through this time period. Know God's voice, recognize his voice and listen. And right here we are with Abraham. Abraham's story began with God's voice in his life and his being willing to be obedient to that. Now I realize the world in which you and I live, they scoff at that. They'll mock us, they'll make fun of us for believing that we can hear the voice of God. But I hear people all the time who tell me things like this, they don't even believe in God and they'll say, I did such and such and I just knew it was the right thing to do. Well, how'd you know? I don't know, it was like a voice inside of me. Are you crazy? No, we understand that language because every one of us is designed within, within us. We have this ability to recognize maybe I ought to do the right thing here. Well, Abraham is the, the beginning of that faith run of learning to recognize God's voice and responding to it. And, and some of you say, well, can God talk to me when I don't believe in God? Well, I hope so. He created you. He designed you for a relationship with him. Even though you don't believe in him, he can be talking to you. How do I know this? Because I used to try to ignore my mother and she still kept talking to me and I knew she was there. (laughs) Oh, you had a mother like mine. See, Abraham recognized God's voice. Now, what did God ask him to do? He said, I want you to leave your home. I want you to go. Now, let me tell you something. Talk about something that's, 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 not appealing to most of us. What did God do? God uprooted Abraham from everything he knew, uprooted his life and took him to another place. And and let me just tell you from personal experience, I've been uprooted by God multiple times. And the first times he does it to you, it is just like, wow, I can't believe this. You know, it's so hard. But now now I've gotten to this point and I'm like, okay, God, if I need, <clears throat> if I need to be uprooted, it must be a good thing. And I just trust you. But at first it's really hard. I mean, I remember being uprooted in college, you know, I remember, I remember going from one college to the next and it was God in the mid- I was in a good place. A lot of, can I tell you this? Sometimes when God uproots you, it's not because where you are is a bad place. I was doing godly things, good things were going on. Now, sometimes we're in a bad place. We know it, but we don't want to leave the bad place. And we're like kicking and screaming when God is saying, you got all this. All I can tell you is this, is if right now you feel like, all right, God is beginning to say, I need to move you, or you're in the midst of it right now. Maybe right now you feel like, oh man, God has been uprooting me over the last six months. It's this process he's been going through. I feel like right now I'm on a truck, you know, United Van Lines is in the middle of hauling me somewhere and and you're getting banged around. Or some of you feel like, well, I've just got to this new place and I'm getting, that's a different part of it. But see, that's what Abraham had to go through. Just understand this. Your father in heaven who loves you 
sometimes will take you. Read Psalm 1. A tree transplanted is what it says there. The blessed life has transplanting involved. And so God will move you from where you are. All right. Genesis chapter 12. Verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who has appeared to him. This is why the Jewish people have returned home. I've got a picture for you. This is 1986 of me when I went to Shechem. And um, I want to show you where Abraham went to. That's a picture of me. Uh, Same hair, good hair, always good hair. All right. (laughs) And over to my left, you'll see a round circle. Maybe hard for some of you guys to see over here. But 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 that's Shechem. Now this is a whole huge valley, and and up here on the left, you see these trees. This is Mount Gerizim, and on the other side of the valley is Mount Ebal. Now these two mountains is where God brought the people of Israel after they came out of Egypt. They're taking the land and Joshua brings them in. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 15, 16, 17. And he puts half the people on Mount Gerizim and half the people on Mount Ebal over there. Ebal is bald, no trees growing on. Okay. And he says, if you will hear my voice and you will obey me, I will make you a blessed people. But if you ignore me and choose your own way, you will be cursed. And that's how he tells them, choose to obey my voice. Now, this is where God planted that promise in the midst of time and history and humanity. And the well is still there at Shechem. And as you can see, people still live there. And you and I have a choice. We can be like Abraham and we can listen to God's voice. Think about this. The people of Israel, they they were planted in Egypt and God transplanted them and brought them back to the promised land. Listen, I don't know where you are right now, but if if you are being shaken up and the dirt's being shaken off your roots, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord because he's doing something in your life. He's doing something. Okay? In Genesis 22, the Lord visits Abram again, and this time he shows him the stars of the sky. And he says, Abram, he's changing his name now. All the nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You have obeyed me. What's he doing? He changes Abraham's identity. He says, Abraham, you've left your past and you've come to follow me. I'm giving you a new identity. I'm working through your life. And if you will continue to obey me, if you'll continue to listen to my voice, if you'll continue, this is my promise to you. I will not just bless you. I'll bless the whole world through you. Now, why is that important? Because you and I need to understand that God's blessing in your life is not for you alone. God blesses you to bless others. God is looking for a people that will pass out his love, his hope, and his new life. But you have to obey him. And I'm sorry, but it's it's not easy. It's not easy. But what's God wanting to do? God's people. 
He wants to make a family under his leadership. See, when God said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, if you can obey my voice, then you can be a part of my family. He's trying to make us family under his leadership, under his identity. And when you and I, we come from broken families, every one of us in this room, every one of us, I include myself in that. Abraham's family was just as messed up as yours and mine. We look at ourselves and say, no way God could use me. My family's a wreck. God gives you a new family. Doesn't mean you still aren't part of their family. All right? Listen, you may not like your family. They're still your family. And when God brings you into his family, you may say, well, I don't like the church. <laughs> we family now. I've heard my brothers every once in a while complain about me. Little brother this, little brother that. I said, you didn't choose me, God did. You see, you and I have to learn to love our family. And guess what? Sometimes the church ain't perfect. One of the things that God talks about is the, is the family of God. That's what God has always called us. And what God said to Abraham is, I'm gonna make you part of a family. Now, if you've come from a broken family, it's been hurtful in this life, I want you to know something. We won't be perfect. The church won't be perfect. Okay? But what I can tell you is this. We're going to get it right some of the time. And we're going to love you as much as possible. And we all need a family. What did, how did Jesus teach, teach the disciples to pray? He said, pray, our Father in heaven. Because God wants us to be a part of his family. Let me tell you a little bit about Abraham's story. Abraham, the Bible tells us about Abraham and how he left Ur of the Chaldees. And I think one of the, one of the things that, that, that we struggle with over Abraham is we think that his life was perfect. It wasn't. In Joshua, Joshua's gathering the people around him and he's trying to direct them as they go into this new land and all this. And he, and he reaches back into history and tells them where they came from. In your notes, I gave you this. It's from Joshua chapter 24 too. This is where Abraham produces this great nation many years later. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. So Joshua now is now speaking in a prophetic voice. This is what God says about Abraham, all right? Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. God says, you need to know, this all started, this all started with Terah, an idol worshiper, a false worshiper. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. When we gather together like this every day, I think it's really important that we, we think about how are we inviting God into this situation. So every day, I want to take a little bit of a moment to pray, to ask God to move in our world. So right now, let's just bow our heads together and let's pray. You know, the Bible says so many times, be strong and courageous. So today we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for courage and obedience to God. Lord, today we want to be like Joshua. 
You looked at Joshua as he stood on the, the land next to the Jordan River, and you said, Joshua, I need you to lead, and I need you to be strong and courageous. I need you to be obedient, Joshua. I need you to lead these people into the land. So today, we declare that we want to be leaders. We want to be strong and courageous. Lord, we want to be able to lead our families and lead our businesses and and lead our lives in a way that other people will know the promises of God, that they will know that you are faithful, that you are just, that you are a holy God, that you are a kind God. Lord, we're praying that you will give us the courage to speak the truth. Lord, that you will give us the obedience to your word. Lord, may we not shrink back from doing good but may we have the energy to do more than we ever imagined or asked. Lord, begin to ask us to do things for you the way you have the disciples. You ask Peter to feed the sheep. Lord, help us to be like Peter. Help us to have courage to admit that we have doubted you in the past, that we have denied you in the past. Lord, give us courage to admit our weaknesses to those that are around us. Help us to be like Paul, who said, in my weakness, you are strong. Help us to be like Lydia, who who gave her home to you, Lord. She had the courage to turn her business of, of making purple cloth into a place of prayer. Lord, she gave her home. She gave her life to you. What courage it took. Lord, we've been holding back. Forgive us. Today, we choose to be obedient. You are worthy. You are our Lord. And it is in your name we pray, Jesus. Wow, that was so good. Didn't you enjoy that prayer? Well, would you like more help learning to pray? Then go to yournextstepnow.com. That's right, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email and we'll give you our free prayer guide. It's an ebook. You can download it. You'll have it right there. And you can join us daily as we learn to pray. We ask God for great things. You know, it will change your life to pray daily. And we need your help. We need your support, your prayer support. So give us your email today at yournextstepnow.com. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for your next step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for your next step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, Come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY. 1-833-38-STORY. Or visit wesslermedia.com. 
That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.